with the Plymouth 60, there's a new day done for you. Hey everybody and welcome to a new edition of the award-winning Talking About Cars, where it's all about everybody has a car story. From celebrities to car personalities to just people who bring their cars to car shows and cruise nights. I'm Randy Cardoon and before we get going, are you listening on iTunes? Don't forget to subscribe to our iTunes page. It's absolutely free. You will be notified when a brand new podcast is uploaded so you can check it out. And if you like what we're doing, take a moment to rate us and give us a review. You can also like us on SoundCloud and our social media accounts Check them out on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, and of course, some of our videos on YouTube. This week, you've heard the stories before. Classic car gets stolen. Classic car is found. Classic car gets returned to the owner decades later. Well, you're going to hear the story of a Seattle man who lost his car a dozen years ago, got it back this past weekend. But first, if you're a fan of mixed martial arts, you know the name Chael Sonnen. Longtime UFC fighter, up-and-coming broadcaster and podcaster, even once ran for political office in his home state of Oregon, only to drop out later. And in September of 2016, went from UFC to Bellator MMA and signed up to fight MMA legend Tito Ortiz in January at the Forum in Inglewood. While Sonnen isn't your typical classic car guy, he does appreciate four-wheel vehicles, and he loves car stories. In fact, you'll be very impressed like I was when he starts talking about the story of the 1974 car prototype, the Dale, which is currently housed at the Peterson Museum here in Los Angeles. So let's start it off. Chael, what's the beginning of your car story? Well, the first car my family had, we had a Lincoln, a Lincoln Continental. And uh, my friends would tease me and say and call it a boat, and I, I never understood that. But my mom believed in having metal around us. She, she, she liked cars with metal in case there was an accident. Uh, was that also the only car you had in the family? or did you, My dad? dad had a pickup truck. My dad was a plumber, so he had a pickup truck and a work van. Mm-hmm. But we, we usually rode around in the in the car. Which one did they let you use when you got to driving age? So that was when I was born. When I got to driving age, I drove my dad's uh, pickup truck. It was a four-door crew cab uh, Ford. But again, because of the same theory my mother had, which is she wanted us surrounded with metal. Uh-huh. And that kind of led you around your career, it sounds like, to be surrounded by... Being strong, being ready to defend yourself. Yeah, that's exactly right. You know, and I'm not I'm not a huge car guy, but I do like the old cars. And again, it comes back because of my mom to metal. We never rode motorcycles or anything like that. And uh, you know, there is a danger around them. I don't love where the car industry is going. I'm seeing some of these smart cars and these other things, and I just think, man, I just don't want to be in a in a Prius if I'm going to be in an accident. And, and that's just because I was conditioned that way from my mother as a kid. But but to this day, I drive. I, I drive an SUV because it's got metal. I'll say that word one more time. There How big go. of an SUV are we talking about? Uh, you know, a Range Rover. It's pretty big. Mm-hmm. Uh, four doors and a little little engine in the front. And What do you think of self-driving cars? I mean, that's something that suddenly in the last six months to a year has become really big. People are going, oh, yeah, can't wait till that happens. I'm getting the feeling you really could wait a long time and you don't want to see that happen. Yeah, let's see. You know, I mean, they did that with airplanes years ago, and I, I thought that it was a little bit spooky, but it, it seemed to work out. So, uh, you know, let, let's see where that goes. They claim, one of the guys that started Uber is claiming that the technology is there right now and that in the next 20 years, nobody will have a car. That uh, there will just be cars, government-owned, that are all over the streets, and you'll push a button on your phone, and they'll pull up and take you wherever it is you need to go. That's what he claims. I don't know if I believe it, and I don't know if I like it, even if it could be true. I don't know why that's something we would strive for, because driving's a lot of fun. So I'm not really sure why that would even be a goal, but 
he did start Uber. He's worth a lot of money, and he he's been out on the radio saying these these things. Yeah, this is the world has changed so much over the past. I mean, speaking about change, uh, MMA has changed. Uh, they've gone gone from a niche sport to something that's pretty much mainstream. It seems. I mean, that's it's getting bigger than boxing, if not there already. Yeah, it certainly has the pro- the problem that boxing has, and I, I come from a boxing background. I'm a boxing fan, but the problem that it has is they only put on one to two uh, fights that get any kind of, uh, kind of notoriety a year. Boxing historically has picked a star and maybe two at a time, and and nobody else gets promoted. And uh, you know, Floyd Mayweather's been the guy for the almost a decade. And so boxing can only get up and get excited when Floyd decides to get up and get off the couch. So, uh, you know, it's kind of a tough spot that they're in. Whereas in MMA, they, there's a show every single week between Bellator, between the UFC, between whatever organization is going. There's every single weekend there's a big fight and there's there's plenty of stars and star power that would bring in some attention. So it's a little bit more fun to be an MMA fan right now than it is a, a boxing fan for me. And I'm saying this as a boxer. Let me ask from a UFC point of view, and I've, I've noticed – we all remember Super Bowls because it's Super Bowl one, and it happens once a year. UFC started doing their things, and now we're already, what, 200 and what? 200 um, plus, 205 coming yeah, up. And it's been only going on, I don't want to say a few years, but it's been going on for a little while. Are there too many, quote-unquote, big, huge UFC events like that, or is that the only way they can promote, as far as you're concerned? Well, not for me, there's not too many. You know, there, that that question did come up. It, it gets asked from Bellator to UFC, to the industry of MMA, hey, is there too much? And the, the basic argument uh, from Dana White that made this, who, who made that decision to, uh, you know, have a show every weekend, essentially, 53 shows a year in a 52-week year, uh, to put that in perspective for you, Randy. But what he said was, hey, is there too much football? Is there is there too much baseball? You know, aren't people yearning for more? Aren't, aren't people disappointed when the seasons are over? And that was basically his theory. And, you know, as Bellator continues uh, to sell out, I've got a fight coming up. we got tickets on sale right now. They're moving so fast. They're trying to figure Figure out ways to reconfigure the arena to open up more seats. As we continue to sell out, it answers the question of no. Apparently, there's not enough. There's not too much. And controversy goes with the whole thing. But I, before that, I want to I want to talk a little bit about Bellator and the fact that transitioning from one to the other. Uh, talk about that. You know, for for me, it's always the same. And again, I was conditioned on this from wrestling coaches when I was a kid. But we'd have little local Saturday tournaments all the way on up to the national championships, all the way up uh, to aspirations of the Olympic Games. And the coaches would tell us the same thing from the time I was nine years old until I, I was done uh, as an active competitor, which is wrestling is the same. Wherever they put the mat, it's the same rules, and you've got to go out there and go as hard as you can. Uh, for the entire time that you're out there. So as far as MMA goes, that's my mindset. They, they can call it whatever promotion they want. They can set that ring up wherever they want. Uh, the rules are the same. My job is the same. I got to go out there. I got to I got to be warm, ready, prepared, and compete hard from bell to bell. So, uh, as far as the transition goes, it, you know, it didn't mean a whole lot to me. My my job is the same. There's a lot of guys who fight. Floyd Mayweather, boxer, ton of money ton of cars. He's got a lot of cars. In fact, uh, we, there have been stories where he just goes in and buys a couple of Rolls Royces at the nearby Rolls shop in Las Vegas. There are guys in your business that also uh, are, are big into cars. Uh, your opponent is, but we'll get into him in a second. But are, are there other guys who are in 
MMA, or are they established enough to be into cars? Do they even have a taste for that? Yeah, I'll tell you, there's some guys, uh, Josh Barnett's into cars. He's into classic cars. He got himself an, an old car. I want to say he got a Camaro, but it might have been a Mustang. Big differences right I there, I was going right? to say. I'm going to insult <laughs> listeners right there by not knowing, but he's taking some pictures of it. Uh, Cain Velasquez is very into cars. He's got six or seven or eight of them, but again, he's a classic guy. Uh, he likes to buy the old muscle cars. Um Dana White, who's the president of the UFC, is a, a big car guy. He's into Ferraris specifically, Ferraris and Range Rovers. But uh, yeah, so there, there's guys that are into it. I think Conor McGregor has, has established himself. He he likes to ride around in a Rolls Royce and uh, seems like a nice automobile. Uh, what kind of cars makes you step up and take notice? I mean, are you a Rolls guy? Are you a Ferrari guy? Are you just a regular SUV guy? Or some of the classics catch your eye? Yeah, you know, I think the classics are pretty cool. I like trucks that are that are, are tricked out. I'm into the accessories. I like the lift kits and, and the winches and some of the stuff they're doing with the bumpers. I also find the insides of the new cars to be really fascinating with the, with the screens, with the DVD players in the back, with the navigation systems. I really like that technology. Uh, yeah, but if I had to pick a car that I would stop and look in traffic, it's the Lamborghini. From the time I was a kid, I, I had a poster of a Lamborghini on my wall. And the doors are cool. You know, the doors come up. So a Lamborghini catches my attention. I'm from Oregon. I've only seen one Lamborghini in person before where it was actually... Boom, there it was, and I stopped and looked. You're in L.A. now. You should be seeing them all over the place. Yeah, they're all over the place. A lot of pricks out here in L.A. Yeah, a lot, <laughs> lot more Lamborghinis going. We got we got some more good people out in Oregon. <laughs> yeah, I, in fact, uh, Supercar Sunday. You, know, you should take them out to Supercar Sunday over there in Woodland Hills and, and check it out. And I'm sure there are also a lot of uh, Bellator fans out there that would certainly like to see you. But that, the fact that those Lamborghinis are very cool as well. I, you know, what we talk about a lot here on the podcast, at least, is, is a lot of the stories that go from growing up in cars and that kind of scenario when you were in high school you were that basically you were driving your dad's truck i was driving my dad's truck yeah and that was par for the course i was lucky to have it i mean that was that, that was a nice truck it was a, a ford f-350 and and it was safe and I, I, my dad was a horseman so we had trailers we had to haul around and we needed a truck we needed a bed and we needed something with an engine and a hitch on it so uh it was very practical for our family um but, yeah, man, I got good memories in that truck. I could fit a lot of people in that. We had a good time on Friday night. I bet. Uh, the prom, you go to the prom in that thing? No, I took a limo to the prom. My, my date, I don't think, would have gone for the uh, the, the pickup truck. I, <laughs> I, me and a bunch of other friends, uh, I think there was 10 of us, jumped into a, a limousine. Had Ca- a good time. Cadillac or something like that? Yeah, probably something like that, yeah. yeah that's, it's a good car. That's a very nice car. You stretch, of course. That's Oh, yeah, of yeah, course. Well, this is prom. I, I, yeah, it is. I mean, you know, that kind of thing works out great. So you moved on, and... Now you told us you have your uh, SUV in the garage. Uh, how many cars have you had? You're a young guy, so I'd imagine you haven't had too many. No, I haven't had too many. I, I bought I bought a truck, and it was the same truck that I drove in high school. Yeah, the same truck my dad F three fifty four crew cab whole bit there. Uh, but then I got, I did a show called The Ultimate Fighter, which is a reality show. And for doing that, we weren't paid to do that. And uh, when I got home from the filming, th- there was a Range Rover all tricked out and a, a real fancy car that, sitting in my driveway. That was that was the pay from uh, uh, from Dana White. Um, so I, I drive that car. So I've only bought one car. And I bought my wife a car. My, my, my wife drives a, a Jaguar. But uh, other than that, I've, I've only bought one car for myself, and it was a number of years ago. Not too bad. Not too bad. Now, of course, you're doing better. You're doing well in your business. You're doing well in your career as far as wrestling goes. Is there a car out there that one day you'd love to be able to get? Is it number one on your I want that car list someday? I 
I, you know what I've just become a fan of just recently is the Maserati. I, I just think that's a sleek design. I really like the Porsche uh, Panamera. Um, I've never been in one. I, I've see, just had people pass me and thought, what a good-looking car. My wife wants a Bentley. Now, this is a dream. My wife's not getting a Bentley. I'm just answering your question. <laughs> that is the, the dream car uh, of my household, and it's it's by my wife. And she lost me at Bentley, but then she also wants a pink Bentley, which I, I have no idea where that came from. I think she like saw Kim Kardashian drive one or something. It was it was way too snobby for me, and I thought it was even I was even surprised that she wanted it. But to answer your question, uh, if I <laughs> I could get any car right now, it'd be a Bentley, so I could give it to my wife. Absolutely. I mean, why not? You know, cars have been involved also in uh, your promotion for the fight. You you went back and forth. I think TMZ had you talking about Tito Ortiz and uh, who you're fighting next uh, coming up in January, and the fact that he couldn't make the payments on his cars and his vehicles and that. So he goes on and makes a little video and talks about, and starts showing everybody, well, here's my boat, here's my Rolls, here's my uh, SUV. Your thoughts on that? Yeah, the poor guy. You know, I don't know why he did this. So he got his roles repossessed a couple of weeks ago, and I told the story. And it was to poke him a little bit, right? I'm teasing him. Tito's been a successful guy. But when you go around spending a half a million dollars on a car, it's going to go pretty quickly. So, uh, yes, until our fight comes around, I imagine that thing will be in hock, and hopefully he'll have time to get it out. But that's the reality. So, yeah, he put out some video, and he's putting out, like, old pictures of him posing with the car. and. It, it's like good enough, man. I didn't say it to embarrass you. I thought it was an interesting story, so I let him slide. Of course, you guys are going to be meeting each other, and and he is a veteran. He's a guy who's been doing this for a long time. And as far as your fight is concerned, is it any different the first time you're facing Tito? How much research do you do into fighting a guy like that? Yeah, I followed Tito's career. I haven't actually watched any game film on him since since I signed the contract. That might change. I imagine my trainers will. But uh, I feel like I, I like I already know. I watched his fights. Uh, I watched him as an amateur wrestler. We were the same weight class in the same conference back in college. So yeah, I saw Tito all the time. I see him every every other weekend at some event. And uh, so at any rate, I've got a pretty good feel for what I'm getting into here. And, and the truth is, you know, he's a former world champion. He's, he's a current Hall of Famer. Uh, he's very good, but he's not me. He's not even close. And he never would have had that belt if, if I would have been in the, the division back then. And, and I really believe that. I, I've been the best fighter in the world for a significant period of time. I just didn't get my chance to prove it. I've always been jealous about that. I've always even been resentful about that, the way that the industry works and the lack of a competitive architecture that we have. It's very tough to figure out who the best in the world is if there's not a tournament where everybody in the world has the right to enter. And it's a very elitist, selective group, and that's just the politics of our business. But they held me down for a very long time. And mm-hmm. I could have proved it back in the late 90s. I could have proved it in the early 2000s when Tito was on top of the world. I would have had that belt had I been there, and he wouldn't have. And on January 21st, I'm going to prove that statement's true. And correct me if I'm wrong, but he hasn't fought in a while. I don't know when his last fight was. He had a world title fight. He fought, he fought for the championship, and he, and he fell short. He was caught in a submission hold. And I can't recall when that was. I want to say it was inside of the last 12 months, but I have to look. Mm-hmm. We'll have to... We'll have to keep it in mind when that comes up. And again, that's coming up in January. I, I want to get back to something else, too, here we we talked about previously. Um, when, when I asked some of the people that work with you about, gee, is 
is Chael a, a car guy or not? And they said basically what you said. They said he's not really a car guy, but he's fascinated and knows a lot about the Dale. Oh, man. What? I love the Dale. Now, now for those of you who don't know, the Dale is a car that was made by uh, some people. It was it was supposed to be marketed. Uh, it turned into this big cheating thing, and, and, a, and a lot of the people got the wool pulled over their can eyes. Can I tell the story? Well, go ahead. Brandon, can I tell the story? Go so, ahead. Okay, I love the Dale. Now, what I'm going to tell your listeners, I suggest they go look it up because you don't have to be a car person. Now, your listeners are, but you don't have to be a car person. This is a fascinating story. This made Unsolved Mysteries. Do you remember that show? Oh, of course. So in the car museum right here in L.A., it's called the Car Museum, They, the, the Dale, the one and only, is actually in there. It's this yellow car. It's a three-wheeled car. Now, I'm going to get you everything I'm going to say right now. I'm probably 90%. I'm probably not 100, but it, it's still an A, maybe an A- minus right here if I was okay. doing an essay. Okay. Some <laughs> shyster started a company, uh, and he was going to make a car called the Dale. Now, the Dale was very aerodynamic. It was a three-wheeled car, and he's making an incredible claim. Uh, something about, you know, you could go from L.A. to New York on a tank of gas. Now, I'm throwing, but it was something like that. And this was back in the day when that was even more unheard of than it is now, because oh, they didn't have hybrids. Absolutely an unbelievable claim at the time, but he also had a different design, and he was selling people on the fact that it was a three-wheeled car, and it was, sli- I mean, he made this claim, and you believe somebody. If somebody makes a claim, you believe them. So, he raised a ton of money, and he was getting not only domestic money. He was getting foreign investors. A ton of media and marketing was going behind this. So finally, the Fed started to smell a rat, and they went in and uh, invaded his his compound, if you will. And what he had done is he had uh, leased out an airport hangar, and this is where they were manufacturing these cars. So when the, when the FBI rolls in, there's nobody in sight. There's the Dale, the one car. There's no manufacturer. There's no plant of any kind going. There's no business being done here. The Dale is there. And by example, it had no engine, no engine whatsoever. The gas pedal was a wooden block that wasn't even attached. The brake was also a wooden block that was not even attached. There was no automobile. The whole thing was a scam. Okay, fine. Interesting enough. However, the story takes a turn. So the guy... You are so fascinated with this. (laughs) The guy that did the Dale... They go and invade his house. They got to arrest him now, right? This is a scam. It's a Ponzi scheme. It's whatever you want to call it. They've got to go put this guy in bracelets. Well, when they show up to his house, he has fled. And as they go through the house, and he was a single guy, there's a number of bras, there's a number of wigs and makeup. What they found out is that he was uh, cross dressing at the time, but in the process of going through uh, gender reassignment. Which, again, but you have to take right now in 2016. So what? Right? Well, back when this happened, mm-hmm. it was a little bit unheard of. So now when the cops are trying to find this guy, they're actually got to find a female that they have no photographs of. You had plenty of pictures of the guy. He was all over the media and the and market, but now they got to go find a woman. So when they finally did find him, at this time, they didn't even know what jail cell to put him. Do we put him with the men? Do we put him with the women? It became a big debate, but he served his time. He only, Randy, he only got like two years. Mm-hmm. He did his time and got out. They never found the money, but he there was something happened. He's a free man. How did this fascinate you so? How did you find out about it, and what really caught your attention? Okay, so it, it was on Unsolved Mysteries for once, so I knew okay. the story of the Dale. Okay. Now, I happened to know a guy named Dale, so I just remember the car, but then I went to the car museum. I was in the museum. The Peter? 
Peterson? Yeah, absolutely. Right. The Peterson Just car the museum. So I'm okay. ch- I'm checking the whole thing out. There's the Dale, the yellow car, the three wheels, the whole bit. No engine in it, no gas pedal, no brake. I mean, it's a really fascinating story, particularly when you add the crime element to it. And and above everything, Randy, why I'm fascinated by it is because I'm not sure he's not right. He did make a very aerodynamic car. That is true. He made a three-wheel car, which is very interesting. Had he had the technology and could simply put an engine in that, he might have got some good mass gas mileage. Is he going to go from L.A. to New York on a tank of gas? No, of course not. But mm-hmm. with the with the, the laws of being aerodynamic, he might have been onto something there. It's so fascinating that you got so caught up in that. Aren't you interested by that story, though? I mean, can't you tell that's a pretty darn good story? It is a great story. I just never thought that you would pick up on it like that. And then the fact that the Peterson uh, Car Museum really added credibility and, and, and validity to the scam by actually putting the Dale on display with all of the other absolutely wonderful vehicles that are out there. I just think it's really interesting. There's a car at the Peterson Car Museum that doesn't even have an engine, which begs the question, is it a car? A car has to take you from point A to point B. This isn't going anywhere unless it's downhill, and then you're not going to be able to stop it because it's got no brake. Good. Do you see now why this is an interesting story? This is insane what I'm telling you, but it's it's, a verifiable fact. It's absolutely true, and that's what the beauty of this whole thing is, and that's why the podcast is is having so much fun, is because it's all about the story. It's the story. It's the story and and the fun stuff that goes on with that. Let me ask you real quick. You watch a lot of movies, I would imagine, at one point. What's the favorite movie you've ever had when you connected to a car that's in a movie? Okay, a car that's in a movie. So I've seen some movies and thought, gee, I want to go get that car. You know, all of the Bonds, of Mm -hmm. course. You know, Bond always had the coolest car. And, uh, you know, I remember the BMW, the convertible BMW was pretty cool. Uh, I I also got into a TV show called 24, and they just rolled around in, in, in SUVs, but... I thought, boy, those are some pretty cool cars. So, uh, you know, I don't really know. I was also a Western guy. I watched a Western movie called Young Guns, and I wanted to go get a horse. So I'm obviously easy to influence in that way, right, when I see something cool on TV. Multi-transportational, I think they call it. That's right. Or I just made it up. I don't know. I'll tell you another one, though, is Knight Rider. The kit car was cool. And if Mm -hmm. if I had to name one, now that I bought myself a little time, if I could have one car from the big screen without question, it would be the 18 van. The A-Team van. The A-Team van. The decked ah. out one with the power seats and the machine guns in the back, the whole bit. But and the, the little spoiler band. in the back. The spoiler, the black, all the way down to the red the, the red stripe on the side. Absolutely. And which, uh, which guy on the A-Team do you uh, kind of identify with more? I like B.A. Baracus. I used to come home from school and make my, my mom put my hair in, in Bobby. So that, <laughs> I, so that it went up like a mohawk. And I used to wear jewelry around and uh, so yeah i I liked ba and you went out in public like that yeah i went out in public i don't know how they took me in public but yes i was only six years old i get a pass my parents might need a talking to for that one awesome 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 way to look and and good for you for being gutty enough to try that all right you've got your fight coming up give me uh give me your uh, last second pitch for that oh well look it's january 21st it's live and free i'm not selling anything it's live free and only on spike tv if you want to come if you want to come see it live tito says he's going to retire i mean tito is a historic figure in this sport. It's in his hometown. We're going to fight at the Forum right here in L.A. Uh, tickets at Ticketmaster or Bellator.com. You can get them now. But otherwise, stay home and watch it on TV. It's live and free. The bad boy versus the bad guy. Would that retire you? Would you, would you quit if you lose that fight? No, I, I, I'm going to keep going. Um, I'm going to keep going. But Tito says he, that this is going to be his retirement fight. You know, anytime you fight a guy that's talking about retirement, now you're talking about him being motivated. Nobody wa- Everybody wants to go out on top. It doesn't matter what industry you're 
you're in. Uh, you know, so so a little extra obstacle there, but I've got my own reasons to be motivated for the fight. And uh, on January 21st, man, I'm going to get my hands on that guy, and he is not going to like it. MMA fighter Chael Sonnen, who faces Tito Ortiz January 21st, 2017, at the Forum in Inglewood. Now, Trev Dillinger of Seattle. He was just minding his own business and got a phone call the other day, a call he thought he'd never receive. It was enough for him to go get a truck, put a car trailer on it, and head to Los Angeles. This car, the 62 Impala Convertible, my uncle bought it uh, in 1963, and it's been a family car um, since then. Um, it was my uncle's car. It, my grandmother drove it. My aunt drove it. I remember being five years old at the A&W in it, and it was my first car. I got it when I was 15 years old uh, from my uncle in 1984, 83. I can't remember. Um, but my first car it didn't run. Had an oak tree growing out of the top. It was parked under a tree for years. And Seriously, an oak tree was growing out of the top. An oak tree grew out of the top. The top. So that means it was through the chassis, the whole thing. There. No, it was just in the floorboards. You know, all, all the oak debris had fl- uh, fallen in, inside through the top, and it created soil. And, and there was a small oak tree growing out of it. So we drug it out of the mud. Rains in Seattle. Drug it out of the mud. Got it going. You know, high school. Had a job. Didn't have any money. Barely got it running, et cetera, et cetera. And um, I'm 48, but I got this car when I was 15. To make a long story short, um, in about 2004 or five, uh, it got stolen. Wake up one morning, go out uh, where the car was parked, and it's gone. And I just couldn't believe it. it you know, it's gone. And I had, not being an idiot, t- took the coil wire off the high tension lead so you couldn't start it or easy, easy to steal a car like this. Anyway, somebody came with a flatbed at night and uh, stole the car from where it was parked. And, um, you know, I, I always had hope that I'd find it one day. Uh, never gave up. But four years ago, I got a call when I, at work from um, California, answered it, hello. And the gentleman says, is this Trev? And I said, yes, it is. He said, well, I'm Detective Luane Stift of the Los Angeles Police Department Commercial Crimes Auto Theft Division. And I said, yeah. And he said, did you happen to own a 1962 Chevrolet Impala? And I said, I did. And he said, what color was it? told him do you have any documentation to prove it yeah he goes well i think we found your car and my jaw just drops you know so we're talking how many years later this is from today i think for 13 and a half years ago it was stolen so long time ago wow long time ago and you just picked this car up when yesterday at 12:51 on wilshire boulevard uh los Angeles police department towing yard uh, 720 yeah what was your reaction when you got the call it was kind of unbelievable it's like i i don't know how to describe it it's like i have another story that is similar about cars but it's like um what you're kidding uh holy s-h-i yeah. uh-huh. you know really i mean so was it in pretty much the shape we see it in now? I mean, I, you've had it 24 hours or so, so I would imagine what the hood's missing and a few other things are missing. It, it's not. It's in fact this is a the complete opposite of what the car was. It, it was reversed. It was black with red interior, and now the car is red with black interior. Let's take a look at this here. So we've got the car. It's red. It's got a black interior. There's the red steering wheel. Was it a black top originally? Black top, red interior black car now it's red car black interior no dash what happened to the dashboard you you don't have that at all 
Well, it was customized with a digital um, aftermarket dash system, and it's a long story. And it was original paint, original interior, original 100% original car. Um, back then, before when it was stolen or when I had it, original paint was cool, but most people didn't really appreciate it. They, you know, they want, they were like, "Why don't you paint it? Why don't you paint it?" I'm like, "Well, I like original stuff," and and that was kind of weird back then. Now it's really popular. So, if this car today was was in original paint and not restored, it would be something special. No matter if you like Chevys or Fords or, or Mopar, it's, you know, original cars are, are cool. They're only original once. We've all heard that before, but it's, you know, it's something. So this is my car. First car that I ever owned. It was 15 when I got it. And I just got it back yesterday from the LAPD. And now Lewayne, Detective Lewayne Stift, Stift deserves a lot of credit because he's the guy who did the work to get me my car back. And, and I got to give him most of the props. Did he have a backstory as to what happened to the car where it's been all this time? Yeah, there's a big backstory. Oh, I want to hear this. But I don't, I don't know if it's appropriate to, to broadcast it. But what can you tell us that won't get anybody or you into trouble? <laughs> the story, it's the story is, is that most people would think is that it went to a shop and 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 they did an investigation on another car and and um, my car was in that shop and they decided to do it a search on everything that was in this shop and lo and behold they came up stolen and I got a call and it took four years for them to do their investigation to figure out who was behind everything and what or wasn't behind everything and who owned the car do they know or or was it anybody we know or? it's nobody it wasn't Jay but <laughs> oh come on that would have been a great deal great storyline it wasn't it wasn't Mr. Leno but it was owned by a I, what I have to believe, uh, you know, I, I, the glass half full with me, and so I, take, I have to take the guys in good faith. He he didn't know the car was stolen. He bought it from somebody who had put a false VIN tag on it. That was his story. He claimed he didn't know. He had receipts for engine work and whatnot. And um, to make it all work out, I, I just said fine. The guy who bought the car didn't know it was stolen. He can take the motor. He can take the tranny. It was not original. It was a 454 supercharged, you know. Kind of thing and and i just said fine you know he he apparently put 70 grand into the car so and then he lost the car but it wasn't his it was mine so you know my attorney said that anything that's touching the car bolted to it is yours you can go down to los angeles and get your car and that required going to court um I so live, you live out of the area then and you came down here specifically to get the car i live in seattle so it's a few hours away from from LA it's you know so the relatives that you had that own this car and all that are they still around and what was their reaction to this my uncle who bought it um, originally just couldn't believe it he started laughing you're kidding really and I said yeah really uncle Doug your your, your Impala is back we got it so we had an agreement when I bought it he, he said I'll sell you the car for virtually nothing but every dollar you put into it when you go to sell it I get first right of refusal and I'll pay you whatever you put into it. Not market value, but whatever you put into it. And I said, okay, fair enough. And I'm 15. It's great. So what I'm going to do is not tell them about the car until I get a motor and tranny in it and get it running and driving. And then I'm going to drive over to his house and just say, knock, knock, you know, Uncle Doug. I was going to say, what are you going to do? What are your plans for this car now? I think I might give it back to him. Really? Done. Yeah. He's, he's like 70, you know, two, 71. Have a good time. Enjoy your old cars. His old car, you know. And Are you going to restore it to what it looked like when uh, he had it? I'd like to do it black and red again, but 
I don't think at this point, maybe, I haven't decided. I just got it. I don't know. I have to feel it out and figure out if it still feels like my car or not. And You know what I mean? Because the soul of it's been changed a little bit. The essence of the car is a little different. I mean, it, it is just a car, but it's not the car that I remember. It's not, it's not this, which is unfortunate because black and red is pretty cool. But it can be that again. <laughs> True. Just takes dollars. Which so. I'm sure you have a lot of, right? Oh, sure. Oh, yeah. No, okay. absolutely not. But okay. yeah, we'll do the best we can. You were saying there was another story similar to this that you knew about or, or not? The theft story, or no? I believe it was. It was different. It wasn't a theft story. It was. Oh, okay. It was um, a convertible car story, which oh, okay. this time I can't share. Okay. Something completely different. Let's let's take a look around here and see what else is different about this. Now, obviously, a little dusty. Uh, I see they painted the uh, black panel, the back panel black. Yep. That's an interesting look. It's 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 the whatever guy custom look. Uh, don't like it. It should be either brushed aluminum, maybe an SS panel, or, or, or you know. Well, the thing about this car, though, this is four years of Los Angeles police department grime. It's gonna it's gonna come up. It's gonna shine up nice. You know what I mean? Inside here looks like uh, they did a little work on the suspension. They took the body off the frame and they powder coated the frame and then they cussed, they, they chromed uh, all the A-arms and the control arms and the suspension, the power steering, and they, they chromed the gas tank, they chromed the rear, rear um, drive line and the axle and, you know, it's it was neat and flashy and blingy and that's cool down here, but it's not my style, I like stock stuff, but, you know, it is what it is. Is uh, there a hood to it or not? The hood uh, did not come with the car. It... it um, it went with the guy who, for, I don't know. It was in the body shop. It got it got confusing, you know. After who knows if it got lost or not. I I don't I didn't get it. We'll get another. You can get another one. That's not that bad at all. So uh, once again, you had this car. You no longer you didn't have the car. You got it back. The family is amazed, and this, you, and you've got an interesting story it's to tell. Kind of, it's kind of a cool story. I mean, 14 years ago, a car got stolen. My, I've bought, you know, my family bought this car in 63, used off a car lot, one year old, and I had it, it was my first car, and you know, and, um, I, and it got stolen, and you never expect to see it back. It's chopped up in pieces, it ends up wherever it ends up, it ends up like this, like I thought it would, you know, and, <laughs> you know, LAPD did their job, gotta give them props, you know, Detective Luane Stift, um, did it, you know, it took a long time, but sometimes good things take time so you know it's cool it's i, I kind of don't know what to say i don't know what to say to you guys because uh, i just got it i'm still in shock you know i mean i haven't really thought about it i mean now i'm talking to you about it and it's kind of making me you know a little little emotional yeah. mm -hmm. <laughs> I, I i can't tell if his tongue's directly put it in his cheek but i'll give him the credit for that it's it's an interesting story it's cool it's a, it's an emotional deal i mean Come on, if it was your car, your first car. How many, or your uncle's first car, or your uncle car that gave you. Exactly, and he was, when he bought it, he was like 24 or 5, young guy, cool Impala. But, I mean, I guess one thing, how many people have their first car still? Some do, but, and I don't, yeah, I don't know. I, I, got, I got my friends down here, it's been a group effort. Everybody from Seattle came down to rally around, get the car, you know, road trip. Thanks for sharing the story, man, I appreciate it. I hope it was a good one and it wasn't too boring for you guys. Yeah. It's all doable. 
We can do it. We have the technology. My dad's got an ultimate set of tools. We can fix it. Seattle resident Trav Dillinger. Now, if you want to see this 62 Chevy Impala convertible, if you want to see the car that Trev picked up in Los Angeles and took back to the state of Washington, go to my Talking About Cars page on Facebook. You'll see the interview. You'll see Trev. You will see the car and what it looks like now and what it looked like then. Hey, if you're listening on iTunes, number one, don't forget to subscribe. It's free. You'll automatically get notified when a new show uploads. Then rate us, write a review. And if you're listening on SoundCloud, like us and follow us and spread the word about our great guests and award-winning Talking About Cars podcast. Also, we have some videos on YouTube you may want to check out. Until next time, I'm Randy Cardoon. Join me as we have some fun talking about cars.